0: What's up, y'all? It's your host, Aaron Bach, back at it here with yet another episode of the In and Out Podcast. What was is that the third try? Because I'm giggling and all giggling all over the place. We're just not with it today, yeah. Not with it today. We got crazy background noise. And guys, let me tell you, like, we've been debating for the last two days, of the last two days if we're dying of corona. Yeah. Like I swear. I I got tested today, buddy. It's it's big stuff. It's legit, but uh, I think uh, I don't think either of us have it. I think it's just precaution, you know. You know what I think? I think that um, I think we I think we mentally psyched ourselves out psyched ourselves out a little bit. I mean, yesterday you were talking about your throat. I was talking about my stomach a little bit. But I think if we stay strong up here, I think we're good. Mm-hmm. We definitely could have had it for some unrelated reason because we're. Low key stupid, and, we, and we've gone a lot of places, and we sacrifice our lives for pizza reviews in this podcast. Okay, that's so. true, but I think, like my teammate, like my travel ball teammate said, it's just a mindset, man. It's, it's just a, a mindset. Um, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of crazy stuff happening, but I think we're in such a, we're in a good position now that I think we can kind of take a breath and. Hope that we don't have coronavirus. Rami, I'm hoping that in two weeks, our, our episode in two weeks, I'm not saying, Rami, throw a flashback to when I said we didn't have coronavirus, and now we have coronavirus. That would be pretty good. That would be pretty good. Okay, let's get to the podcast today. What we got today, Rami? Okay, we got Alex Katz, big interview, our first pro ball guy, second interview. I think it, it, was, it was amazing. It was so cool. Banger, absolute banger. Alec Katz is the man, first of all. Shout out to him. He actually started following us. Like when we started doing this podcast, yeah, we, he followed us first. What? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, we're the, we, we're the biggest podcast in the world, but at the time, we hadn't even released an episode. We hadn't released an episode. We had like 30 followers. And then Katz. He was like our first, in our first 15, Ronnie. Uh, it was crazy. It, yeah, it was stupid. Anyways. When we kind of first started it, we were like, all right, we don't know how many interview um, the interviews we're going to get. We were starting to look at some college guys and uh, maybe some minor leaguers. But, I mean, he, he's huge. I mean, sure, he's – I mean, yeah, you could say, yeah, he's also a minor leaguer, but he has such a big um, social media presence. His sneaker company pitched the World Baseball Classic, and he's a stud. I mean, like, it's super sick that we got the chance to interview him. Um, what do we, we talk about? We talked about so many things. We talked about Israel baseball experience. We talked about his like college experience, his recruiting, his just everything being like bouncing around around the minor leagues to pro ball, back to the minors now, and just like we talked about uh, stadium custom kicks. It was really cool. We got to talk about all kinds of stuff with him. Yeah. Um, super good guys. It was super cool talking to him. I mean, guys, when we kind of first said, all right, let's do these interviews in and out podcast in and out interviews. We were thinking 30 minutes. We're like, how does, uh, how does starting nine make three hour interviews with Bryce Harper? Cause you can, I mean, we, we cut our short because I mean, we were wrapping it up and I knew we, we didn't want to go past an hour for one of our first few episodes, but man, we just kept talking. He had so much good stuff to say. Oh. Um, Super good episode. We um, we definitely learned a lot after our first one because it, I mean we were a little bit nervous and a little uh, jumpy. Shout out to Alo for that. I mean, we kind of endured our first interview. We were a lot more comfortable going into this, and it was just it was a banger. Yeah. So uh, let's let him get get right into it. Yeah. First question starts now. What's up, Alex? If you want, to just tell us a little bit about um, where you're from and like tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes yeah, so I'm from Long Island, New York. I was born and raised here, and i'm I'm still living here um that's pretty much it I've never i've lived in the same house pretty much my whole life
1: <laughs> that's awesome where'd you um where did you go to high school
2: there? I went to herrick's high School, which is uh in new high Park and then I went to St John's University in queens
0: yeah and you you were uh, you you had success even starting in high school you had like all-american perfect game teams you you were getting a lot of traction like junior year right
2: yeah i'd say i'd say not much sophomore year um but junior year once i um you know started throwing 90 plus 90 91 and um you know went to the area code tryouts and a couple other you know tournaments and showcases like that i think that's when uh my name got out there a little bit and um, not too long after that, you know, beginning of that summer, I committed to St. John's. So, um, you know, that obviously was a big help as well. Yeah. Right? What'd you do
0: to get that velo jump
2: from sophomore to junior year? Just start working out in the weight room for the first time. That was my biggest uh, jump in velo. Um, not really anything from mechanics standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my mechanics were pretty similar between sophomore and junior year. So I think it just had to do with growing the combination of growing obviously in height and um you know getting stronger in the weight room okay and then uh,
0: so uh and then you went to St. John's D1 uh pretty big uh program and uh how was your time there i know you guys won uh big east conference which is amazing
2: yeah it was an it was an awesome experience at St. John's and i'm glad i went there um i knew i wanted to go to st john's since i was uh 13 years old right. so i guess my dream came true yeah. um all you know i'm still friends with most of my teammates from st john's who stay in touch you know especially since i'm so local I get to see a lot of the guys often um you know we obviously had a lot of talent on that team um my junior year alone we had seven guys drafted i believe and you know the years before and after that we had a bunch of guys drafted as well so I think a good por- portion of our, of our team from the 2015 team, uh, ended up in professional baseball. And one of the guys is already in the major leagues just a couple of years later. Um, you know, so a, a boatload of talent on that team. Was that your, was that your junior year, your 2015 team? Yeah. 2015 was my junior year. So I'm, I'm going to fire
0: off a couple of stats. So your, um, sophomore year, you had a three, eight, six era, your senior year, three, four, um, Really good numbers. How much playing time did you get your freshman year?
2: Um, I believe I threw 27 innings, which was pretty solid for a freshman. For sure. Um, and my first start freshman year, my first college start ever, was against the uh, number one ranked team in the country, UNC. Oh, wow. wow. So I was kind of thrown right into the fire. You started, you started
0: two games that year out of your 22 games. Is that right?
2: Yep. And so most, mostly a reliever at St. John's, but I did start occasionally. And how'd that game against UNC go? The first inning was scoreless. It was only like the second week of the season, so our pitch count was low. Um I believe I only threw two or three innings. It wasn't very long. And I didn't get my uh I didn't get my I didn't get my uh my pitches destroyed like uh you know, maybe I thought would have happened <laughs> going from uh pitching in public high school ball in New York to now the best college team.
0: Yeah. Going back to your later. going back to your high school, did you play the field at all or did you only throw?
2: Yeah, I think I actually got most of those awards for my hitting. Hey. My pitching. Yeah, my my hitting numbers were much better than my pitching numbers in uh in high school. Although my <laughs> my strikeout rate was was high. But um you know, I think my hitting stats were a little bit better.
0: You played a little little first base. Any
2: tips for me? Yeah, I played a little first a little outfield. I mean I didn't make it past high school as a hitter, so I went. If I were you, I wouldn't listen to me as far as uh, tips on that. You know, and going going back to you said
0: your dream was to go to St. John's since you were thirteen. Did you always know like I'm gonna play baseball there? Did you were you playing travel ball? Did you have the dream I'm gonna be in the MLB one day?
2: Yeah, I mean my my goal or dream of going to St. John's was not to go to St. John's, the school, it was, you know, I didn't really know much about the school. It was more, you know, I want to be part of that baseball program. Obviously, you know, I knew that the school had, you know, it was a good academic school and, you know, all of that I knew, but, you know, I was definitely more familiar with the baseball program and going to see St. John's play Georgetown in the first game ever at city field, the new Met stadium in 2009 that, you know, that kind of inspired me to want to go to St. John's. I thought it was, it was pretty cool that those guys were, you know, obviously watching them, you know, watching college baseball, probably only my second or third college baseball game ever. I saw the competition was legitimate, and they were playing in the Major League Stadium. So that kind of uh, – that was a good re- recruiting uh, – future recruiting tool, I guess.
0: Yeah. What did you do to get more exposure in high school?
2: Um, I think just – I think the area code tryouts um, – was the best ex- that was the best exposure that I ever had. Um It was obviously free too. Yeah. You know, it wasn't one of these showcases that 500 um, that's five hundred bucks. So I feel like you know you just have to see where the scouts and the college coaches are. You know, they're not always at paid events, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, as long as you're playing and doing your thing, they know what they're looking at. You know, obviously these college coaches, their job is to coach, but the other half of their job is to recruit, and obviously scouts, their whole job is the scout and grade players so they know what they're looking at so you just have to you know if you have talent or you're good just do your thing and and you'll get opportunities do you reach out to st john's or did they kind of find you um i don't think i reached out to them i believe um after the area code tryouts i looked at my phone at my email and i had a bunch of emails from different scouts and colleges and um I believe the St. John's email was from Coach Blankmar, the head coach there. And he said, Hey, Alex, uh, good job today. Like, that's about it. Not like we're interested in you or anything like that. Very short and sweet. I think he was, you know, he's kind of old school. He was just, he, that's kind of smart what he did, you know, keep it short and sweet and see how into it the player is. So, you know, obviously I wrote back that I'd love to go to the school and, you know, then they started taking it more seriously. So um, they saw me pitch, I believe, two or three more times. And then I hadn't. Um, they had me come to campus on a visit.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that relationship, like, starting there and, like, blossoming. Is...
2: Exactly. There's wow. plenty of coaches that wrote emails that look like, you know, they're paragraphs long. Some of them just copy and pasted. Some of them more personal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like what Coach they did. just short and sweet. Get yeah, right to the point. There? He's still there? He, he actually just left this year. He's uh-huh. – um. After like 27 years as a head coach. he uh, He's a coach with the Mets now. Um, one of the managers in their short season affiliate. Sick. Okay.
0: And you got drafted in 2015 and you started playing
2: um, low A ball, ball that year? Yeah. I, when I signed with the White Sox, I went right to the Arizona Rookie League. I was there for about four to six weeks, something around that range. And then got promoted to the short season. Um, advanced rookie team okay yeah I see that
0: um what what was that experience like in your first year of pro ball were there any like learning curves or stuff like that that you had to go through
2: I think the biggest adjustment was just being in it was more of a culture shock you know growing up in New York and then uh, going to college in New York in Queens New York not too far away even though we traveled um in college went to all these different places it would be a few days at a time you know but going to Arizona and Montana uh two states I've never been to obviously totally different from each other and totally different from New York um I think it was a little bit of a culture shock there as far as the um competition I I think it was an easy transition from college to um, professional baseball especially the lower level rookie leagues because most of those guys are the better college players. And I ended my college career pitching in the regionals, pitching against some of the top teams in the country. So, you know, those teams were just as good as these uh, minor league ball players that I started playing against in the rookie league.
0: And to go back a little bit, you had your, um, when you were in New York, did you play travel ball? Because, you know, down in Georgia and places, especially like Texas and the Southeast, the travel ball is just such a big thing. And what's that like up there?
2: Yeah, I think growing up, I played on 80 different travel teams. <laughs> um you know, once my season was over, we would get in contact with another team. Hey, hey we're trying to get some more innings, more at-bats. Um, so I, I definitely met a lot of people in the baseball world over here playing on so many different teams. Uh, we all know of each other. But um, no, I, think, I think travel ball is important growing up. I don't think there's a need to do travel ball when you're, you know, 12 or 13 years old. But, you know, it definitely helped with my development and playing against better competition.
0: Love him, and was there anyone you actually know of any guys like in the minor leagues you played against back then or anything like that?
2: Yeah, Ramon Laureano was on my travel team in high school. He's <laughs> an outfielder for the Oakland A's now. Yeah, best,
0: maybe the best league.
2: Yeah, yeah. I we would play catch all the time. <laughs> um, I think he actually pitched for us a bunch, but yeah. you know, just just knew that he was going to be a good player because. Um, he, he got drafted by the Astros and I think he was kind of st- stuck at certain levels for, for a while. And, um, as soon as he got to Oakland, he got, you know, he moved up quickly and became a, you know, a young sensation. Yeah, that, a stud that like player? A, that's a that awesome. thing player. like
0: a defensive thing that he struggled with or just the organization that he was in?
2: I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of, um, you know, it's one of those things like we were close playing travel ball and, yeah. you know, then he went across the country, I think junior college. We didn't really stay in touch for a few years, and then next thing you know, you know, he's in AAA, and then a few weeks later, he's in the big leagues. You know, oh. and you see him on ESPN. Um, you know, throwing a hundred miles per hour from the warning track to home plate.
0: Hopefully, we can we can get you up to the big leagues soon to face him again.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't yeah. know if we faced each other before. We we definitely <laughs> played on the yeah. yeah played with each other for at least. 40 games, 50 games.
0: So uh, it's been a long road till here. <laughs> been, you were in a few different levels, minor league, then get traded to the Orioles in 2017. What was that like? Did you know that was going to happen? What what uh,
2: happened there? No, there there was no warning sign at all. I, I went hmm. to the ballpark, you know, like it was a normal day. Got my lift in, worked out a little bit. Um, grabbed my glove and cleats and went out to left field to stretch and throw with the pitchers and that's when our manager uh, called me back into the clubhouse yeah. and I basically just called the the um, farm director of the White Sox and pretty quick phone call just you know, basically said you, you were traded, thanks for everything you've done, best of luck. Um, first thing that went through my mind was what did I get traded for? So yeah. um, all the guys were on the field taking BP. I think I went on my phone and Search my name on Twitter to see if see what I got traded for. Hope, hope hoping it was something good. Yeah, but um, it was definitely it was definitely a little bit of, of a difficult uh, transition to be traded during the during the season. Um, you know, especially in the minor leagues when a lot of development is going on. So you know, there were some adjustments, mechanical adjustments, and philosophy, different philosophies that I had to adjust to during the season when the numbers counted you know this wasn't the off season or or even spring training where you know the games didn't count yeah. so um you know there was a lot of trial and error that year with meaningful games so it was a little bit of a challenge for me
1: yeah was
2: the <laughs> minor league grind like um it's i think it really depends on what team you're on and what league you're in the grind is definitely more in certain leagues oh. um in in rookie ball Um, my first taste of minor league ball, it was, we were treated like Kings. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was a, it wasn't really a realistic, it wasn't really realistic, um, showcase of what minor league ball is about. Cause, uh, you know, we had four games and an off day. So every four days we had an off day. Um, what else we ate? You know, we ate big league food because guys, big all the big leaguers rehabbed at the complex, so they gave us good food afterwards. Um, the the drive to the complex or the road games were either across the complex, so we would either play the Dodgers, which is a five minute walk in our complex, or maybe a ten fifteen minute bus ride uh, down the road to other complexes because they're so close in Arizona. I think um, it was a it was like night and day between that league and the short season team in, in Great Falls, Montana. You know, yeah. a lot of these stadiums are – some of them are nice in that league, but some of those stadiums are, you know, 80, 90 years old. The clubhouses are the, you know, the size of a, a closet. Um, bus rides – there were bus rides that were 8 to 15 hours long. Um, bus Buses breaking down you know, in the middle of a uh, farmland and have to wait, on wait on the side of the road with the cows until a new bus came. Cool. Um, so that was, it was, there was a lot going on that first year. Um, I think the Carolina league, which I played in with the white Sox and the Orioles, the, the travel was relatively easy. Most of the travel was between an hour and three hours long. So we would, you know, it was no problem leaving on game day, you know, leaving at 10, 11 AM getting to the hotel, you know, you know, noon, one o'clock, having time to relax a little bit and go to the field. So um, it really depends on the league and the team that you're in. Right. Okay. Um,
0: if you could tell one story that just really summarizes the minor league life, um, do you have
1: anything that comes to mind?
2: The, the, the story always uh, catches me by surprise off the, off the think of a story. Okay.
0: will <laughs> come back Hopefully. to that. Yeah, we can come um, back to it.
2: Team Israel,
0: I mean, this is crazy. You guys, you joined this team. Like, well, first of all, tell us how you how you got on this team in the first place.
2: Yeah, they basically just reached out in 2016 during the season. It was just an email, you know, with a bunch of guys. Um, I'd say like eight or nine guys were in the email, coaches and some players. And they basically just asked if we were interested in playing. um it wasn't really a formal email, and I wrote back after like 10 seconds I think I think it just got sent to me and I wrote back, yes, I'd love to play and uh, I guess the rest is history I, I played in the qualifying games and um, or I didn't play I was on the team didn't play, but we won and then I made the the roster for the main tournament and ended up pitching in that in the main tournament yeah, yeah
0: you, played, um, you played really well I mean what's it like playing in front of like 55,000
2: people? That's your deck korea right um uh, yeah, and Japan, so it's uh the first time you do it it's it's a uh, it's a feeling that you can't even describe um it's like night and day compared to pitching in front of um you know a crowd in a minor league ballpark with a couple thousand fans um the amount of, of adrenaline i've had i I don't know if I've ever had a that kind of adrenaline pitching. Um, i didn't really even feel the balls coming out of my feel the ball coming out of my hands um you know luckily I was able to control the adrenaline a little bit, but it was definitely a, an amazing opportunity over there
0: that's awesome what was man. it what was it like being part of that what was it like being a part of that run
2: there yeah. it was exciting i mean we we definitely took it one day at a time uh we weren't surprised by our 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 success in the tournament almost everyone even our friends and family were probably surprised because we had 200 to one odds of winning the whole thing and we ended up starting off the tournament four and Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, I think it just, it just kept rolling from day to day. And, um, you know, it, it really was, uh, we just got used to winning and that's how, that's how you keep winning. Just get used to it. Right. Yeah. Um, mommy got
0: anything about uh, that? Yeah, I just, I think it's awesome. Obviously, us being two Jewish baseball players, really awesome to see. Like, uh, also being connected, like, uh, to Israel baseball. I know it's, it's not the biggest thing, but it, how it's growing and how you guys, like, with that series really grew the game. Cause I have friends who play there. My brother played on the Olympic team for some of the qualifiers so i I know the everything's small, but it's growing slowly, and it's really cool to see that you guys helped that so much. Will you play on the Olympic team in twenty not it won't be this year but next year,
2: yeah, as long as the Royals give me permission yeah. obviously um, yeah, get- mm-hmm. yeah, I would have to uh leave my season with the Royals for a week or two, yeah so I would have to get permission from them, but we still have a while before yeah. that, uh, that's going to happen over a year. Yeah. Right. Have you, um, had you already planned to go this summer? Um, no, so- it wa it was, uh, it was canceled way before they even, um, oh. you know, got everything going. They didn't even finalize the roster yet. Um, you know, so there, there were still some, some things to, uh, mm. to do from both ends.
0: Can you tell us about some of your trips to Israel? Did you go with the team before the World Baseball Classic?
2: No, I wasn't I wasn't on that trip. That trip was just um I believe seven or eight guys I and know. and their fam some of their family members. It was just like the older guys, the big league guys. Um so I I went for the first time in October of twenty eighteen. So I've been to the country twice, once last offseason, once this past offseason. And um, the first day that I went there, I I got my uh, dual citizenship. That's, right. awesome.
1: That's awesome.
0: What is it? Um, what was your first time experience there versus your kind of last time? Or you, if you want to just run through both experiences. And also, can you like tell us a little bit about uh, Israel mm-hmm. baseball and what you got to see of it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I, I'd, you know, your first time in a country, you have expectations or, um, you know, you've heard things about the country, but you know, you you really didn't, you don't, you don't really know, um, you know, what to expect until you actually go there and see it for yourself. So, um, I I never realized how small of a country it was just in, uh, five days, we saw, you know, the main attractions in the whole country from East to West to North to South. Um, you know, the country is obviously beautiful and, um, Tel Aviv and Jerusalem are like complete opposites of each other. Jerusalem is old and very religious. Tel Aviv is very modern and I not as much, not as religious. Obviously Jerusalem is probably one of the most religious places on the, on the earth. Um, as far as Israel baseball, um, you know, obviously besides touring the country, a lot of our trip had to do with, um, giving back to the kids and trying to grow the game. So, um, you know, whether it's autographs, taking pictures with the kids, doing baseball clinics, um, you know, having a mini practice, playing catch, and having the kids watch us—pretty um, much just doing anything to inspire these kids and try to grow the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw some um, some videos and pictures while you were there. I actually had some friends who saw you when you were, when you were there, and um, you know, was it was it like fun, or how did these kids react? to kind of meeting you because i mean they knew they knew who you are and did any other players go with you when you were there
2: yeah there were um this last trip it was just me and jonathan demarte a pitcher with the cubs um the first trip it was about 10 guys total All right. um yeah so i mean a lot of these kids look up to us you know fellow jewish professional baseball players at the end of the day there aren't that many professional Jewish baseball players out there and those kids obviously live in Israel and love baseball. So, you know, I, I could imagine being in their shoes and uh, the feeling, what it's like to, to meet, you know, some of these guys.
0: Yeah. You, you represent the dream to them, living it out, you know, for us too. Like uh, it's like,
1: I don't know, cool to see a fellow Jew kind of
0: doing what we want to do one day.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Because yeah. they joke about it all the time. There's lots of Jewish lawyers, doctors, and right. and people in finance, right? So yeah. just, just right. trying to trying to change your reputation a little bit. When
0: you were on the World Baseball Classic team, there were a lot of um, ex pros or ex guys that were in the big leagues. Like, what did they teach you? I mean, there were some pitchers that had some um, pretty good stints in the big leagues. So, you know, what is, what is what are some things as veterans that they were able to teach you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I picked the brains of all those guys. Um, Marquis, Marquis and I talked a lot, especially in Arizona during our preseason games. Um, you know, and, and I went, went out for lunch with Ike Davis, you know, we talked for a couple of hours just about baseball and stuff like that. Um, you know, just, just watching, you don't even have to, obviously I did talk to them and learn a lot, but just watching them and watching how they go about their business is, uh, you know, you see right away why they are who they are, why they've, why they've made it, and some guys haven't. Uh, yeah. Jason Marquis, who uh, is on, you know, obviously past his prime, he was still chucking 90, 91 at his age. Um, you know, I don't think he's actually announced his retirement yet, but, um, you know, obviously he hadn't played in the big leagues for a few years before playing in the World Baseball Classic, and he was still going going about his business like he was in the big leagues and um you know really took care of his body and had had, you know obviously has a really good work ethic that leads me into like uh
0: you learned a lot from them and you've learned a lot from all your different experiences in pro ball wbc whatever from college ball but what's the one thing you've learned now that you now know that you would go back and tell your 15 year old self and and that would have helped you tremendously and changed the game for you back then.
2: you're saying from the world baseball classic or just from,
0: in general just in general, from all your baseball experience now right? I
2: think just to just to be a self coach and really um you know trust yourself and and learn from yourself. Um, I think in the past, I trusted coaches. I basically put my, 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 my career in the hands of other people. Um, and what I realized quickly is that no matter how good the pitching coach you have is, you're, he's not going to be with you uh, your whole career. Um, you know, and obviously the longer the career you have, the more coaches are going to, uh, you know, come across. So, um, you know, listen to everything they say, respect everything they say, take it in, you know, a lot of what they say could help you. But at the end of the day, you're only going to have yourself. You know, you're always gonna be with yourself on the mound, on the field in, in daily life. Um so really become your best coach. You know, the coach doesn't have to come out to the mound for you to make adjustments. Learn to make adjustments by yourself, just stepping off the mound or stepping out of the batter's box.
0: Right. What's um what one coach over the course of anywhere from high school to now like what coach helped your development the most?
2: I think um I think Jerry Weinstein with Team Israel was one of the best coaches that I've uh, played with. I think just um, he obviously is not a pitching coach per se, but he um, he he's a type of guy that well-respected coaches look up to and and learn from. You know, I feel like he's like the godfather of of uh, coaches in professional baseball. I think a lot of really good coaches look up to him and and learn from him. So. Um, he's like, he's like the baseball coach God, I guess.
0: He's super well known. And um, did he send you that email or when did you kind of find out that he'd be your coach throughout the whole experience?
2: No, I didn't know he was going to be our coach until probably a few weeks or months before the qualifier. Um, The original email, I think was like June or July. And um, I think Kevin Euclid was in that email. He was going to be one of our coaches, but um, he, he opened up his own business in California that summer, I believe. So I don't think he had enough time to coach us. What other coaches were on that staff? We had Jerry Naren, who is the bench coach of the Red Sox right now, I believe. He was with the Diamondbacks last year. Yeah. Um, Andrew Lorraine, pitching coach. Um, he was a minor league coach with the Mariners. Um, he's a scout for the Pirates now. Um alone like uh likeman he's a double a coach for the uh, mariners I think he'll be a big league coach one day he was our bullpen coach and um we had a few other coaches um you know throughout the qualifiers and the in the main tournament you know some just did the qualifiers some just did the main tournament so uh yeah. we had a we had a pretty big staff. Um obviously I remember all of them but I would have to uh look at the roster to remember because yeah. I think there were like eight to ten people that were involved.
0: And you did um I saw a video of you on Zach Hample's you know, YouTube. You threw in a little ninety nine hour pull down. Um what has your experience been like as soon as you found out that um your season was canceled and what have you been up to this offseason? season? How have you stayed in shape?
2: Yeah, it hasn't officially been cancelled yet. Oh, right. there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of <laughs> since
0: you've, you've been sent home, sorry about that.
2: Yeah, there's still there's still hope that um at least we have, you know they have us go to the complex and, and play games out there, maybe some exhibition games or something. Yeah. Um, which I think there's a good chance of maybe like late July or August, obviously the major league season comes first. So they have to figure that out the next few days. And I'm sure you um, guys just
0: fancy to get back out there. I mean, just even just go to the ballpark and train and play in squads. I mean, you want to be there, there's facilities, stuff like
2: yeah, that. Yeah. I've been pitching a real game since last June. It's been a year already. Um I had surgery last August, so I missed uh, the second half of last season. Um, was, that, um, was that with Long Island? Yeah, with the Ducks last year. What's um,
1: that like in the independent ball?
2: It was a really good league. It was it was better competition than any minor league ball that I've played oh, yeah. against. Yeah, the guys the guys were all AAA or big league caliber players. Wow. Um, That's awesome. You know, we those even though some of the guys are past their prime. Um, those guys just know how to play. They know, you know, they take, you know, they take good at bats. The hitters and the pitchers know how to pitch. They know how to throw strikes. Um, They know how to throw behind the count. I think we had over 20 guys from our Long Island Ducks team get signed um, between last season and this offseason. And uh, one of our pitchers from from opening day made back to the big leagues in the same year. So Tim Melville of the Rockies was in the big league rotation for the Rockies just a few oh. weeks after pitching for the Long Island Ducks. <laughs> and, um, same with some there are some guys in Korea and Japan that were in in, in the Atlantic League and on the Long Island Ducks and and those are uh, those are good leagues. They pay almost the same amount of money as as the major leagues. So um, it, it's an awesome league, and a lot of guys re, uh, re- revitalize their career after playing there right and tell us about your off season sorry uh we kind of sidetracked a little bit yeah so i mean this off season part 1 <laughs> um the rehab process was pretty pretty smooth i had nerve uh, transposition surgery mm. they just had to move the nerve over um so the the rehab was pretty smooth and my velocity just continued to grow throughout the winter once i got to that point where i was throwing hard enough Started throwing for teams. Uh, there were a few teams interested, and some teams invited me out to their complex to throw. But uh, the Royals ended up making the first offer, and I and I signed with them. Gotcha. Okay. Uh,
0: now off-season part two, coronavirus. You guys get sent home. What what's going on now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was I was ready to get going. I was there for I was in Arizona for two weeks. They took it really slow with us because uh, we had time the minor league season was starting a little bit later than usual it was, it was like a week and a half after the major leagues were starting
0: i mean um, pitching so, is less. I, I don't really know what did you say i mean what i mean what's that like when it's taking it slower are you, are you doing less workouts what's the deal with
2: that no just um you know less pitches in the bullpen more time between bullpens and okay. past spring trainings you get going right away um you know first day bullpen day off from you know obviously not a day off you're still working out and playing catch but no bullpen and bullpen no bullpen and one or two days off and you're throwing to hitters so i was there for two weeks and threw two 15 pitch bullpens um so not that much um obviously every day working out you know doing practices going over signs on the fields working on the gym running right. um, meetings plenty of meetings and then uh, i was about to throw to hitters for the first time and that's when uh they uh sent us home mm.
0: what's your what's your lifting schedule like
2: during the season um it's not as intense as the off season off season I'm lifting four days a week um during the season it's more like two to three and shorter lifts you know I'm not lifting for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and uh, usually usually shorter reps you know not ten twelve reps. Like what we do sometimes in the, in the off season. Are you hitting, um,
0: like, are you hitting one muscle group a week or are you kind of hitting upper body, lower body? How do you organize your lifts or does somebody else program that?
2: Yeah. The Royals pro the That's- Royals program, the lifts, but, um, it's, uh, usually full body.
1: Okay. Got you. And, uh,
0: yeah. So, so right now, are you just kind of in that off season four times a week? Still throwing kind of consistently where you're at right now,
2: yeah, I mean basically the same routine as as the as the as the winter, the first off season part one, but um you know we don't know there's no end in sight, yeah. you know at least in the winter, we know spring training starts February or first week of March, yeah, so right. we know what to practice and train for now it's more it's like an all season combined with just staying sharp because we were all pretty much game ready when they shut it down. Yeah. So um, like we didn't know if we should take a step back when we first got home. We didn't know if we we're going to be home for a week or two or four mm-hmm. or five months, you yeah. know? So even now we don't know what we're training for. Yeah. Um, we're kind of just staying ready, but not overdoing ourselves. Um, yeah. Cause like I said, we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah.
0: What's your kind of day in the life like in the off season or right now at least?
2: Um, I, I sleep in pretty late, you know. Um
1: I'd say work out
2: around eleven or, or noon. Um you know, lifting four days a week and then um, you know, going to the local field, local high school to um play catch and long toss and then uh on bullpen days usually going just to the backyard i, I have a portable mound back there and I'm throwing the bullpens back there
0: yeah and then i saw you on your instagram you were throwing some live hitters um, who you've been facing what's that like how you've been throwing
2: yeah yeah i mean i we were told to take a step back so i'm not going to be facing hitters for a few more weeks um i was kind of antsy to to get out there and face some hitters because I haven't done in a while. But um, just a few other minor league guys in the area. There's a bunch of minor league guys, um, some some position players and some pitchers in the area. And those are the guys I typically uh, play catch with and uh, throw bullpens with.
0: That's awesome. And you have also been hanging with uh, Zach Camp a little bit. I know you guys are pretty good buddies, right?
2: Yeah, I I met him at Shea Stadium, the old Met Stadium, uh, a while ago. Maybe 15, you maybe 15 years ago.
0: Oh, so you weren't playing. Like you just met him as like, uh, it's like a friend. Yeah, just as
2: a – no, just as a kid. I was probably 10 years old. Um, <laughs> stealing good. balls from him. <laughs> uh, pretty yeah, good. No, he He's glad I'm on the field now, not in the stands. <laughs> catching home runs just like he is. But yeah. um, there's actually a picture on one of his blogs because before he did his YouTube stuff, he would write blogs. And there's a few pictures of me on there uh, – chasing after balls during batting practice and actually beat him, beating him out for a few. But yeah. um, that's basically where I met him just going to uh, batting practice at Mets games. And uh, we just stay in touch. And um, he started following me closer once I got drafted. And then once I get to the big leagues, he expects me to toss him 50 balls per game. But um, it's pretty cool over the last few years, he's come to one or two minor league games of mine and got yeah, there early, got credentials, media credentials, and did, uh, YouTube videos, so I think um between game videos, my league game videos, and other videos, I'm probably in about you know twelve of his videos, which is pretty I've seen, cool. I've seen you quite a
0: bit. You weren't throwing in those games, right? It was maybe like an off day or a rest day. um and- One
2: of them, I pitched in the the Frederick game. It was against the Nationals affiliate. that was, was in that the, uh, 2017. Was that the stadium with like the uh, the orange? Was yeah, that- the, with the orange, and we, he interviewed me on the upper deck area
0: and uh okay kind of shifting gears here to something i'm really interested in and i don't know how we haven't talked about this yet but uh stadium custom kicks you are uh, i guess part founder of this custom cleat company and that i've actually been following for 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 a while now and i was like this is awesome and uh do you want to just tell us about how you got into business there and what it's like, what's going on with that?
2: Yeah, so I was with the White Sox when I uh, played in the World Baseball Classic. And, you know, our colors were black and white. And as minor leaguers, we pretty much had to wear all black cleats. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, going from single A ball to the World Baseball Classic, pitching in front of uh, in front of the world, really, it was, uh, you know, I got the idea of customizing my own cleats, especially since – you know we actually had you know colors other than just black and white um you know like the hat you're wearing you got some silver some royal blue some pretty sweet colors um the cleats are actually up there i'm not sure if you can see them right there in that case okay yeah my cleats for the tournament. basically just painted them with a friend back home and got the idea of starting a side business um opened up an instagram account and got some of my friends and teammates to follow it. And then those guys ordered, we charge them like 10 bucks, uh, just to change the, the colors on the Nike swoosh. Um, you know, and just over the last few years, the company has grown, um, at a pretty steady pace. And now we have 10 artists working with us.
0: That's awesome. I remember there was an interview back a while ago that, uh, you guys said that you guys were the only two that made the cleats like, you you were the only people doing all of the orders, and you sent them out yourselves, which I thought was crazy. Um, but I guess it's gotten pretty big now, and I think I'm gonna actually buy myself a Israel pair.
2: That'd be sweet. That'd yeah. be sweet. The you, flag pairs always come out, always come out the best. I think yeah. the flag pairs are awesome.
0: 90k on Instagram is that in three years?
2: Yeah, that since uh. Yeah, that's yeah, not nice. not too long. We actually gained thirty thousand followers in a in about a week last summer. Oh, From, wait, uh, I, got- I I wish it, I wish that stayed at a steady pace. We'd, we'd be doing really well right now. With
0: that. <laughs> you guys made uh, a few uh, like uh, a few cleats for All Star Game like last year, right?
2: Yeah, a few. Um, you know, I'd say we have at least one pair in every major sporting event, baseball, football, uh, even golf. Now we did a few pairs for the, for the waste management Phoenix open. So, uh, we're starting to grow more in football and, um, and golf, obviously, you know, we're, we're bigger in baseball. Um, just last players weekend, we did, um, I believe around a hundred pairs. So, uh, we did, we did, we definitely did more, um, baseball cleats than any other customizer out there.
0: You don't, you only handle the business side of that or do you ever paint shoes? Like what's, what's your role in the company right now?
2: Yeah, no, I, ha- I, I own hundred percent of uh, stadium custom kicks. I, um, I do, I do paint when I'm home in the off season. So I have a little studio in the basement and um, you know, I, I paint most of my own cleats. Um, you know, sometimes I send my cleats to other artists in our company. But um, usually that's when I'm away. So I obviously don't have all the tools and time to paint. But um, as far as throughout the year, I'm basically uh, doing the whole business side of the company. And um, it works well because there's plenty of downtime playing baseball even during the season, whether it's an off day or um, you know after the game when I'm just on the couch relaxing after a game. Um, I, got, I got time to work on the company or, or even bus rides, especially those 15-hour bus rides. I could get a lot of work done.
0: Off time, what's it like um, being a pitcher throughout the season in the minor leagues? You have to chart games. Um, are you kind of on like a lifting schedule when you're not playing? What's that
2: like? Yeah, I mean, I'm a relief pitcher. Okay. Um, I have one start in pro ball, and that was just a spot start from a doubleheader uh, right yeah. when I got called up to uh, the short season league. But um, as far as charting, it's just the starting pitchers from the either the day before or the day after they're in the stands doing the radar gun and, uh, you know, charting other pitches mm-hmm. um, pretty much as a relief pitcher. You, you know, you have a very – you're very routine-based. Um, you know, you have to stay strong and lift during the season but not tire yourself out. You have to be able to recover enough to pitch a few hours later in the game. Um, you know, but if you, if you go a week without pitching – you know, which, which happens sometimes you might pitch back to back days and then you might not pitch for six or seven. Right. You're not, you're not, not going to lift for those six or seven days. Cause you think you're going to pitch at night. You yeah. know, you just have to create a routine for yourself mm. or obviously follow what the team tells you to do and, and obviously be smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it is a, uh, it is pretty interesting. Our routine is very interesting because um, we play catch at around three, three o'clock, three o'clock, three 30 um in the afternoon and then as a relief pitcher I might not pitch till ten, ten thirty at night. So there's a there's a long gap there. Yeah. So um
0: gotta get hot again.
2: Yeah, you're not really warming up for the game. It's more just warming up to stay sharp and then you have to completely warm up your body again if you're gonna pitch in a game.
0: You got ten minutes to get hot in a game, what are you doing?
2: I I don't know if I've ever had ten minutes to get hot. (laughs) Um I'd say Maybe ten minutes, but that's only if they said, "Hey, you got the next batter," and then uh, the pitcher before gets out of the inning, and then I, I'm starting up the next inning. Mm-hmm. So then maybe I have ten minutes um, between halves, half of the inning. Well, um,
0: what your routine say so you have half an hour or so if you kind of know you're. Yeah, for sure.
2: I think my, I think my routine starts early in the game. Okay. Um, it depends if I have a role or not. Um, okay. A lot of the minor league teams don't have roles. You know, they want to test guys out in different roles. So, you know, I've been set up man, and closer, long relief, short relief, basically done it all.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I have to be, re- you know, I pretty much have to be ready at any given point throughout the game. Um, obviously, first couple innings, you're hoping that the bullpen doesn't have to get hot. Um, so sometimes the team actually has the relief pitchers in the dugout to watch the first couple innings. Some, some teams hate that and want the pitchers in the bullpen, you know, right away just so you know if the guy gets in trouble you don't see the whole bullpen running down the warning track to get to the bullpen um so i'd say most of the time start the game in the bullpen you know hang out watch the game focus on the on the opposing team their hitters um i'd say once it's like the third fourth fifth inning just stretch between innings get obviously get up from my seat do some arm circles leg swings um side shuffles, uh, play catch with the left or right fielder to stay loose because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't want to not pick up a ball for eight hours, um, yeah. especially when you have to get hot quickly. A lot of times they call down and they say, hey, um, you, you got the next batter, so you might have five warm throws in the bullpen before you're out there and in the mounds. And luckily, you usually have eight, usually have eight warm pitches on the game mound before, uh, right. mm-hmm. you know, before going in. Obviously, with the pitch clock and all that, I've seen guys have one or two warm pitches and have to go in, right. which sucks, especially in the cold weather.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to focus on just one thing you said there. You said, like, watching the game, focusing on the opposing hitters. And I just think that's such an important thing. Like, people, some people might think, like, oh, bullpen guys, they're down there just chilling out, not really paying attention. But you got to be in the game. Because that's the only way you'll be ready once they call your name. Like, that's the only way you'll know where the game is, what's happening. This guy
2: missed on this pitch earlier in the game, right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I've definitely been on teams where guys didn't probably didn't watch the game one bit. Um, but I'd say most of those guys aren't playing baseball anymore. Yeah. Um, I think most of the guys that take it serious and watch the hitters, I think those are the guys that really make it.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I've
2: been I've been on teams where guys are playing hacky sack in the back of the bullpen uh, just messing around Um, you know and sometimes that happens when the starting pitchers come down in the bullpen to get out of the dugout Mm -hmm. they're distracting all the guys in the bullpen (laughs) Um, you know for the most part if that's happening I try to stay away from it and you know try to focus on the game and and be ready because the last thing you want is to go in a game and not be prepared either mentally or physically
0: and then, um, one more thing before we ask a few uh, big general questions that we ask everybody. Do you mess around with weighted balls or plyo balls? It's kind of a new wave of training and whatnot. I didn't know if you're interested in
2: that stuff. Yeah, the past. Um I'd say I'd say since the end of college I did uh I had a weighted ball program. I didn't do it this off season because I was on the throne program from the doctor. Yeah. Um, coming off surgery. But um Basically create a new routine off you know a new routine for myself. It's not really with a whole um whole set of weighted balls, but more of just um you know using a four ounce ball so like you okay. saw in that video with with Zach after during the season, after every time I throw, I usually um do a few crow hops with the with the four ounce ball and okay. obviously not too many but around three or four throws just to keep my arm going um keep the velocity consistent throughout the year because a lot of guys definitely dip in velocity towards the end of the year. So um, yeah. I feel like that has allowed me to, to stay sharp and uh you know keep the arm speed going. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of
0: ways, I mean a ton of different ways to do it. For instance off season we'll kind of do a series of pull downs Monday, Friday with the four outs and six downs, Plyo. Um I know some guys that just say just long toss every day. Some guys just strictly do bullpens or kind of game realistic throws. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely a ton of ways to go around A ton game. of ways to mix it up. Yeah,
2: I think everybody's different. Everybody's unique. Um, a lot of trial and error you need. Um, I used to long toss a lot. Um, I long toss during the off season, but I don't really long toss at all during the season. Um, Not even before a game? No, no. Usually just play catch nice and short before the game but still get those hard throws with the four ounce ball in. Um,
0: oh, cause you're not on, you're in the bullpen, right? Oh. Exactly.
2: And I don't really throw my uh, slider on a flat ground.
1: Oh really? Um, okay.
2: Like I, I actually have a ball. It's a double ball. It's two baseballs that are nailed and taped together. And I hold my slider grip and just by holding it or flicking it against the fence sometimes that allows me to, um, Keep my release consistent. So I have a I have a few gadgets and stuff to help with certain pitches, like um, like uh, the clean fuego ball. I'm not sure if you've seen it on Instagram. It's uh, like a hockey puck with seams, and it um, allows you to work on spin efficiency and yeah. uh, keeping your fingers behind the ball. So that helps me stay on top of my fastball, and then obviously that double ball helps me um, helps me with my slider. Uh, so, is that um, what uh,
0: Joe Kelly threw into his window?
2: Yeah, that's what. Yeah, he was practicing his changeup. <laughs> With, the, with that
0: ball. Okay. Get get that spin right up. And um, you you talked about a few of your pitches, slider, fastball. Uh, what would you say is, like, give us the rundown on all your pitches and what is your best pitch?
2: Yeah, I'd say my um, – I throw three pitches, fastball, slider, changeup. Um, my fastball is a four seam, but it has a good amount of sync. It's a very low spin rate, like 1,700 RPM. Pretty low. Um, yeah, very low. And my slider is extremely high. My slider is like twenty eight, twenty nine hundred RPM. So, um, yeah, no, they they actually play well off each other. Um, you know, my yeah, some slider.
0: Big, some big league sliders are like twenty four, twenty five.
2: Yeah, so my slider, my slider is probably my best out pitch. I get most of my my strikeouts on the slider. And um, I get a lot of ground balls from my fastball when it's down in the zone. So, obviously, uh, being a sinker ball pitcher, you get a lot of ground balls. You know, guys are on on, on the top part of the ball. So, um, you know, my strikeout rate and my ground ball rate are, are pretty high, and that's because of both of those pitches. And I'm obviously starting to use the changeup a little bit more. That's, that's awesome. What the one, it was,
0: I think there's a video of you in the World Baseball Classic where, like, a hitter's just, like, running, like, five feet down the line. Is that, is that from that?
2: Yeah, it makes you look good when these hitters have crazy uh, light (laughs) kicks. Yeah.
0: Um, So that's obviously your best pitch, but now let's make things a little bit more general. What would you say is the best thing you do on the field? Just you get on the field, you're selling yourself. You're telling the coach, this is what I'm going to do the best. This is what I'm going to do better than everyone else today.
2: Yeah, just, just come right at hitters. You know, don't, you know, don't baby any of my pitches, you know, you know, go try to go for the corners every single time, just coming right at guys, trying to get action right away. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, that's one of my strengths. For sure. Especially, especially with the movement on my pitches, you know, just trust my stuff, force these guys to swing because baseball is boring when hitters are taking, taking uh, 90% of the pitches just standing in the box, you know. Yeah, it's, it's fun when there's action you know when guys are swinging and missing or even when guys make contact and hit the ball
0: and what's the biggest thing you'd say like you're working on right now like the opposite like this is something i need to improve and that's what i'm really working on
2: yeah i think uh even my strength i'm still working on
1: um yeah
2: because i know um you know maybe sometimes I don't have that same amount of adrenaline going, but I need to kind of create it and get my body moving uh, a little bit faster. I think sometimes I catch myself moving a little bit too slow.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So I think just finding a good rhythm, a consistent rhythm, so that, you know, obviously that that tempo is consistent. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the main mechanical things that I'm working on, just, um, you know, staying consistent with my my rhythm because sometimes – even through video, you might not even be able to tell. It's, it's more about feel.
0: And then the last, uh, last two questions. You need
2: a 12-year-old left-handed
0: pitcher just like you. He says, like, I, I, I want to be you when I'm older. What is one thing you're telling him to make sure he stays on track?
2: I think just have fun. Uh, these kids uh, at a young age, they, uh, they think they're going to the big leagues or the parents think they're going to the big leagues next year or getting a scholarship um, at 12 or 13 years old. I think just have fun because even um, the best big leaguers in the game, they're having fun. You know, you see these young, young studs like Acuna; those guys are having fun when they play, and uh, they're, uh, you know, it's their, it's, it's our job at the end of the day. So, you know, our families, our future is, you know, relies on how we do as a, as a ball player. So, there's a lot of pressure, but if we could eliminate the pressure, then a 12 or 13 year old kid can eliminate the pressure and have fun
1: awesome, man. That's awesome.
2: Um, And then last question. This is
0: what we kind of finish every interview off with everybody. What's your favorite thing about baseball? I mean, there's so many answers. There's not one right answer. If you can choose one thing, why you wake up every morning, what is it?
2: I think that it's one of the most unpredictable sports, that every game is unique in its own way, especially since there's no clock. So... (laughs) kind of say it like that because they're trying to add clocks. So I think uh, one of the best parts about the game is that there is no clock. I agree. Um, You know, and you know, it's not like um, you know, basketball, football, soccer. Um, You know, obviously there's no clock and every field is different. I think that's one of the coolest things. You know, I I personally love architecture and buildings and stadiums, going to different stadiums, um, seeing the different styles. Um, you know, in all these sports the dimensions of the playing surface are the same, but you know, baseball every single field, even if it's little league or high school field, every field is different in, in its own way. So, um I think that's one of the coolest things about baseball.
0: Thank you man. That's that's awesome. I completely agree. We we love the game for all those reasons too. And, Absolutely. And if you you want to shout out we don't have too many followers yet but too many subscribers but if you want to shout out instagram youtube whatever go for it
2: sounds good i don't uh don't have an active youtube channel but uh i do do other stuff <laughs> okay so uh what are you on
0: instagram kitty kitty Gato 12. okay so we'll make sure to put that out there for everyone go follow you sounds good Thank you, man. Thank you. No problem.